0: On occasion, when the militia returned from the field, Captain Jack had an arrow in the calf of his leg. The shaft of the arrow had broken off about halfway. Nellie was there to see what she could do to help. Both Nancy and the old woman knew that the arrow had to come out, or blood poisoning would soon set in and quite possibly lead to death. Since the arrowhead was in all probability made so that it could not be pulled out, the girls were at a complete loss as to what to do. The old woman looked at the wound and tried to tell Nancy what to do. Quickly, Nancy asked Nellie to get the scout to help with translation. The scout was brought in and he and the old woman jabbered heatedly. The scout then explained to Nancy what the old woman had just said. A large piece of tough leather was given to Captain Jack to put in his mouth and clamp down on because the next action of removing the arrow was going to be very painful and Captain Jack would clamp down on the leather rather than screaming. The old woman would say a few words to the scout who in turn would tell Nancy who in turn would explain to Betsy and Nellie. They rolled Captain Jack onto his belly. They asked the three men to hold Captain Jack still for the next operation. The old woman pointed to one of the men's sharp hunting knife and a pot of boiling water. Nancy understood quickly what she wanted and sterilized the knife by putting it in the boiling water. With that, the old woman washed her hands and stood over Captain Jack's leg. She had seen this done many times in her tribe And proceeded to be a surgeon. She tasked Nancy with the job of holding the shaft with a very, very slight pull, while at the same time the old woman took the knife and started an incision from the open wound toward the arrowhead, a distance of about an inch and a half. This cutting caused Captain Jack to pass out and Nellie to faint. Betsy caught nearly before she hit the floor. She carried nearly over to the corner and laid her down. The old one never missed a mark a feet in her work. She completed the incision to the arrowhead and extracted it from the leg. She put some kind of a pole on the wound and wrapped it with strips of white cloth that had been boiling in the pot. With a nod of her head to Betsy, the old woman intended Betsy to clean around the wound. When this was done, the old woman smiled and patted Captain Jack on his butt in satisfaction. Captain Jack came to and saw the woman standing around smiling. He tried to say something, but the leather was still in his mouth, so Nancy removed it. He said, what happened? And Betsy, smiling, said, oh, not much. She just took a splinter out. He'll be good as new in a couple of years. Nellie had just revived in time to hear Betsy. She rushed over to her husband and held his hand. The three men holding Captain Jack released him and backed away. When Cap Jack fully recovered, his leadership training took over and he asked that Lieutenant Dale would take over until he was fully recovered. He asked Betsy how many days before he could sit a horse. She referred the question to the old one who held up her hands twice with fingers spread out and a shrug of her shoulders. Meanwhile, Clem, Bert, and Dan went to the land office to claim land for homesteading. While there, Mr. Henderson remarked that the two girls had cared for two of his children who had been extremely sick and brought them both back to health. He declared, we would like to keep these two girls here in Boonesboro or as close as we can. I have reserved land close to Boonesboro for my extended family for any of them that should they come out. I would like you three families to stake your claim on this land, which is very lush and ready to farm. This way your women will be close and continue helping us." Henderson continued. The land that I'm talking about lies about one half hour walking distance from Boonesboro. It not only has a running fast water creek, but a spring with clear, pure water. While we have not had any Indian problems in the last six months, except for the time you people got hit, the land is close enough to afford you safety at the fort if needed. Bert, Dan, and Clem were very happy to agree to that offer. They told Mr. Henderson that not only would the girls help at the fort, but that the old Indian woman they had brought back was very knowledgeable and would be a very nice welcome. As In addition, as far as her language barrier was concerned, Clem said that they would find out that one of the Indian scouts for the militia was able to communicate with the old woman. This will make it much easier for Nancy and Betsy to learn from her. The men could hardly wait to get back to their wives and to tell of their good fortune. Winter was releasing its cold grip and the signs of spring were in the air. Clem had a sense of urgency, so these three men huddled to develop a plan for their homestead. They plotted out three small cabins in a triangle about the spring. Each cabin would be within a rifle shot of the other two. This precaution was born from their recent experiences. At the same time, the three families had become almost one and wanted to be close to each other. that in the future, if Betsy or Nancy were required at the fort, Rachel could care for any children they had. Oh, and so by having the three cabins close to each other, they could help each other in times of need. As they moved closer to spring, the three men worked closely together to build a tiny settlement. The three families continued having their meals together. As they had earlier planned, they laid out the three cabins in a triangle so that each cabin was protected by the other two cabins. The men paced this area carefully, even to the point of sighting their rifles from one cabin to the, each of the other two. Each cabin site was then leveled and scraped clean of vines, roots, etc. The area between them was Scraped clean also. Again, this apprehension was born from their previous experience. Satisfied with their result, the men fell trees, stripped them of limbs, etc., et and used mules to drag them to the sites. All three men worked on one cabin at a time. Dan had had some experience back in Virginia in building cabins and so designed the structure to begin as a one room affair, but with uprights and beams capable of holding a second floor to be added in the future. Also, each cabin had peep holes on each side to allow for shooting any attacker. In addition, the windows were large enough to allow allow light and air to flow while Under the window was a stout ledge with a lip or edge to hold a solid cover for the window. This cover could be slid along the ledge to cover the window and then locked by dropping a bar from the top of the window and securing it. Thus the the cover should be slid across the window very quickly. The ledge of the window was coated with bear grease to help make the covers easier to slide. In addition to this, The roof was covered with large logs to prevent it from being set on fire. Whenever two logs lay against each other on the sides of the house or the roof, the sides of each log was carefully scraped clean of bumps, knots, etc., so that wood would be against wood, eliminating any gaps. To complete the seal, the area between the logs was completely filled with hardened clay to seal air out. On the sides of the house or the roof, the sides of each log was carefully scraped clean of bumps, knots, etc., so that wood would be against wood, eliminating any gaps. To complete the seal, the area between the logs was completely filled with hardened clay to seal air out. Thus, in times of danger, the little house could be turned into a fort. In each cabin, there was a barrel of spring water so that no one needed to go outside each time one needed to have water. While these precautions made the building of each cabin go very slow, it also made the next phase of building the second floor possible and also safe as again the windows were secure while allowing air and light to permeate. The second floor was reached by a sturdy ladder-stair combination. Again, as in the stockhole design, the second floor jutted out a foot beyond the first floor wall to allow a defender to shoot anyone standing next to the wall by using a peephole in the floor just beyond the edge of the wall. Each peephole was beveled inside. To allow the shooter to angle his gun to shoot anywhere along the wall. By this method, the inside of the peephole was wide, yet the outside was only big enough for the gun barrel to be exposed and therefore protected. Just as the men worked together to build the cabins, the women worked together to build each cabin's fireplace. They gathered field stone and helped each other lay the stones one on top of the other with mud chicks between each to cement the stones together. They knew to have a wide and deep fireplace at the bottom and to narrow the opening near the top so as to create an updraft. They knew this from their experiences using fireplace at home. What they did not know was how far up the narrowing should take place. So by trial and error, they managed to achieve good fireplaces. They also knew that preacher Paul would be bringing fireplace angles as well as pots and pans. While the girls were thus busy, on building the fireplaces. They talked among themselves constantly. They were a happy bunch and the chatter was mostly about their new life here in Kentucky. They downplayed their experiences with the Indians. They also chatted about what preacher Paul was bringing. They knew he was bringing a plow, but had to guess as to what else. They were looking forward to having the capability of cooking over the fire using the metal angles so that they could move their pots in and out of the fire easily. While they were busy building their new homes, they also spent time back at Boonesboro, taking care of the health needs of the community. Rachel would help Betsy and Nancy with the nursing duties and also would continue the primitive schooling of the children. Spring was now well along, so that the farming activity took high precedence. Crops need to be put in, and yet the ground had to be turned over. To make matters even tougher, there was only one spade available for the three of them. Again, as before, the three would work on one farm and then the other two. Preacher Paul's arrival stirred quite the excitement. After things settled down, the men of the fort banded together and started building a church. There was quite a few men on this project since a number of new families had moved in so that the church was not only completed soon, but decorated appropriately. After all the work was finished, people, now called a congregation, held a dedication ceremony Since no one had a musical instrument, all music was by voice. If there had been anybody around to listen, they would have appreciated the effort put into this music. Raw men's voices blended in with the light sounds of the women singing. (laughs) While the sounds were not perfect harmony, the enthusiasm made up for what harmony was missing. Preacher Paul used this occasion to pass out the Bibles that he had brought. Not everyone could read, so the matter of who received a Bible was almost automatic. Community life was coming together. The newly arrived homesteaders staked out their claims, which were a little further away from the fort. While they were not exactly safe, there had been no incursions for the Shawnees, and so the area began to be populated.